listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Praise God, right? That was awesome. That was awesome. Thank you so much, worship team. Hey, um, I'm just going to start like this. How many of you um, maybe have read something in the Bible before, or maybe had someone with well intentions say something to you that's in the realm of like Christianese type things. They say it to you and you're kind of like, really? Like, is that true? You're kind of with me there? Okay, here's an example. How, how many of you have had somebody say to you, it's, it's better to give than to receive? Like, Really? Like, I like my birthday a lot better than I like other people's birthdays. You know what I'm saying? Like, is that true? Hey, let me, I'm just gonna read it because I'm gonna mess it up if I, if I don't read it. All right, here's another one that Christians like to say. We like to say, bless your heart, right? Like, are we, do we not care about livers? You know what I mean? Like, we, got, we have some blessed hearts in here, I guarantee you. But like the other organs, man, sorry. Like, figure it out. Um, oh, here's another one. Here's, here's a prayer. You've heard of this. Probably none of you pray this, but like maybe our like parents age and older, they pray for a, you know what I'm saying? A hedge of protection around us. You know what I'm saying? What, what, you know what a hedge is? It's like, it's like bushes. Like, Lord, we pray that you put bushes around it. Like, is, is Satan like a bad gardener or something? Like, Lord, it's been a thousand, thousands and thousands of years, Lord. Satan still ain't find a good pair of clippers. God, if we just put a hedge around us, we're gonna be fine. Y'all are like, man, this guy's weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would we pray for a hedge around us? Hey, here's another one. Love your enemies. Really? Pray for those who persecute you. Count others more significant than yourself. Y'all are like, Okay, here's something really crazy. I don't, I'm not asking you to raise your hands. How many of you have gone through a breakup and someone with loving intentions has said to you, hey, it's okay. God, God has someone better for you, right? Hey guys, I'm gonna let you know that, that, that may not be true. She may be much better than you, you know what, than you'll ever be. I'm just saying, I'm just gonna throw it out there, all right? Or how many of you heard someone say like, oh, they just, they just don't know, they just don't know what they're missing. They just know what they're missing out on. You know what I'm saying? You hear that? Is it honestly helpful? I don't think it is. I don't think it's been very helpful. Okay, now here's where we're gonna land tonight. Here's something that I've heard said, okay? It's gonna be after a breakup or maybe you spent months or years trying to find somebody and someone says this, y'all lean in this. Someone says, you know, sometimes it's just better to be single. What? Are you crazy? Like, I, like I'm married, like I'm gonna. I'm just gonna let that linger for a second. Singles, why, why would it ever be true that it would be better to be single than date someone? Because right, if you're single right now, all of your friends have somebody, right? Like probably only two or three. But all of it, you're like talking with your parents, mom, you just don't understand. Everyone's dating, I'm the only one that doesn't. It's not true. You know, probably got a couple. We probably have more single people in here 
than dating, especially more even dating and single than married. But we all know the feeling of being a third wheel, right? We've been there. Some of us know the feeling of we're single. So on a Friday night, we don't have anything to do but go by the store, grab a pint of ice cream and turn on the Gilmore Girls reruns. Yeah. Just let the night fade away. Guys, you too, you do it. You love Gilmore Girls. Lorelei and that banter that they have, it feeds the soul. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> Finally, you are alive. I was like, some, they're gonna laugh at something. All right. Hey, I, I, I'm totally kidding. All right. Well, not about the Gilmore Girls. Um, <laughs> thanks, brother. There we go. We got a brother being honest. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but, but for real though, I think y'all, y'all feel the tension. Why would it ever be like, not just an okay thing, not just something to survive for whatever a season, but why? I'm gonna really lean into this. I, I think you're gonna have to be either, if you're not a Christian, this is gonna pique your interest a little bit, but I'm gonna just say this. Why as, as a Christian, when this book, the Bible is our source of all truth, why would it ever be a good thing to be single? Like, why would it not be the end of the world? Like, even if it was like, you're gonna be single for your whole life on earth, you're like, well, wait, hold on, dude, that's too far. But hold on, why would it ever be a good thing? And so here's what I'm gonna say to you. I made, made fun of even the thought of that. I think there's hope for you because guess what? In 1 Corinthians 7, which is where we're gonna be tonight, the apostle Paul was... Single. He's never married. Y'all know that? That's pretty cool. Like you gotta, like he wrote a lot of the New Testament. Like you, you know who the Apostle Paul is. Like he was single. Isn't that cool? So you can re- remind your friends that if they're ever giving you a hard time about that. Hey, the Apostle Paul was single. And just like mic drop, right? All right. So here is why we're in 1 Corinthians 7 tonight. Back in March, what was going on? We got the slide up there. Yeah, can I have your number? Y'all just remember that, all right? I don't even know what kind of pathway do y'all have to get to, go, to get someone's number now? Like, I'm about 10 years older than you if you're a first-year student. Like, it was instant, like, number. But y'all are like, y'all have to go through Snapchat first now? Yeah, yeah. Like, how many layers are there? Three layers. What are the, what are the three layers? Oh, don't ask you? Instagram, Snapchat, and then the number? So is number like, yes. Okay, is, is that like my, my Facebook official, like, no? That's still, okay, I said mine, all right, okay. If I was just 10 years younger, I would definitely be single because I don't understand it, how it works. All right, so we're in 1 Corinthians 7 tonight because back in March, right before something that starts with C and ends with Ovid happened, we were going through the book of 1 Corinthians in a series we called Better Before Bigger, all right? And I was getting all these questions that made me excited, like, hey, we should talk about singleness or dating and marriage. I said, just hold on a minute. I don't even have to come up with something. The Apostle Paul is going to lay it down right here. And so we were ready, like the first week after spring break, I was like, we're going to hit it hard. And then y'all never came back. Come on, man. Y'all just left me here. Thanks a lot. And so... 
here we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We covered previous chapters. If you want to catch up, we have a podcast on, on Apple and Spotify. If you want to get caught up to chapter 7, we're going to be in chapter 7 the next two weeks for this series over singleness, dating, and marriage. But why would it ever be a good thing to be single? Y'all jump straight in. 1 Corinthians 7, 25 to 35. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I'm gonna stop right here. All right, here's what Paul's saying. I want you to know, he says, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Excuse me. What Paul's doing here is he's saying, I think I'm trustworthy. I think he is too. Like like, He's Apostle Paul. All right, and he's basically saying, I'm going to give my holy opinion as the Apostle Paul. I'm going to, I'm going to take a swing at, at this and what, in his wisdom, and what I think would be a good way for you to think about in this section singleness. Okay? So we're going to keep moving on. And by the way, that word betrothed can also mean virgin. And so you should know in a biblical worldview, to be unmarried was to be a, a virgin. We're going to get more on that next week. But just this, he's talking about people who have not been married, have had really basically no relationship, not serious relationships. And so concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Here's Paul's swing at some wisdom for us. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. That present distress, we don't know. It could have been a famine. It could have been persecution. It could just mean like, hey, in light that, of, that Christ is coming back, here's what I think. It's good for a person to remain as he is or she is. Verse 27, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it for the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Students tonight, why would it ever be a good thing to be single? Let's zoom in on verse 31. For the present, excuse me, for the present form of this world is passing away. Being single, y'all, let's this. Because the present form of this world is passing away, being single allows you to have an intense focus on eternal things, okay? So I'm gonna give a definition. If you're a note taker, y'all, y'all lean into this. Eternal things are things that will matter in heaven. So things that matter after you die. Your Instagram followers don't matter after you die. I hope you know that. It's good for me. I don't have many, all right? All right. Things that matter are how you used your life to glorify God, how you used your life to share the gospel with others, how you used your life to pursue holiness, how you 
lived your life to find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Things that matter, again, after you die. And so then we go backwards to verse 26. Paul says this, and I think that in view of the present distress, present time, it's good to remain as he is or she is, all right? By the way, for this passage, um, for a lot of the times, uh, the Bible, what it, what it will do a lot of times, it'll use a, a masculine pronoun. Very many times that's appropriate, but for here, girls, I just I wanna, don't wanna leave you out. A lot of this instruction is, is for both. Y'all make sense? Y'all good with that? Just letting you know so you don't feel left out like, this is only about guys. It's not. All right, present time. I think Paul is in touch with the reality. Whatever he really meant by this, was there a famine going on? Was there this urgency they were supposed to live? I think there's always an urgency we're supposed to live. And I think he realizes, hey, living 60, 70, 80, 90 years old or however long you live is not granted for everybody. That there's, there's a ticking clock on our life. And in light of the urgency of, of everyone knowing the gospel, especially in the early church, I'm glad that they live with urgency. He says, I, I'm thinking it may be best for you to think about remaining as you are. And so here's why. He kind of fleshes this out. Look at verse 28. And by the way, those of you who are married in the room, I'm married. Don't hate on marriage. I think the Bible is, is, is definitely for marriage. Just going to throw that in there. But look at this. I think I'm going to tell you that I resonate with this in verse 28. That if you do marry, you, you've not sinned. So that's good, right? Okay. It's not saying that marriage is bad. And if a betrothed woman marries, she's not sinned yet. Those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. Okay, he's not, he's not saying it's a, it's a sin to get married. It's, a, it's actually a beautiful thing. Like just, I can speak from personal testimony. Look at the Song of Solomon. Like the Bible talks a lot about the marriage relationship. But I think what he's getting at is that a lot of the efforts that are gonna happen in a dating relationship, marriage relationship, don't have lasting eternal value. And so here we get to verses 29 through 31. Here's, here's the essence of what it's saying. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it for the present form of this world is passing away. I think what the idea is, is even those of you in the room who are dating, it's not just for singles. Not many of you are married in this room, but some of you are, I can see you is to not allow a relationship or marriage that you have to distract you from keeping the main thing, the main thing. Who's the main thing? Starts with J, ends with Jesus, right? Say, who is it? Jesus, that's right. The urgency of eternity needs to be primarily on your mind more than the urgency of a boyfriend or girlfriend's needs. This is really interesting. In verse 31, y'all see this. It said the present form of this world is, is, is passing away. And so one of the things I told you last week, most of the time, this is what we're gonna try to do. We're gonna try to go through scripture. We're gonna try not to skip over things. We're gonna go straight through it. And what that requires me to do is sometimes know maybe a deeper meaning of what the word means. And so passing away, I want you to check this out. The word passing away sometimes can have the meaning of disappear. So what Paul is saying is that the structure of our, of our lives, like throughout our whole life, from when we're born to when we're dying, there's a lot of ways that we spend our time. Okay, there's a lot of decisions that we make. There's a lot of, um, in our daily ethos, like a lot of us will. We grew up in families. A lot of us will have families of our own. And what he's saying that, hey, those things are good, but those things, when you die and when Christ comes back, it'll, it'll be like most of them just kind of disappeared and faded. You see what I'm saying? It's not that they're bad. It's just, man, we pour so much energy into 
all of these things. Like, it's not that they're, it's not only that they don't really matter that much, it's like they're literally going to be gone. Like, you're going to have no memory of them. Let's lean into this some more. I thought about a funny story in the book of Matthew. If y'all can turn to Matthew chapter 22, verses 23 to 33. Mark your spot in 1 Corinthians. Matthew chapter 22. I did not save my spot there. This take me a second. 23 to 33. I love this passage. Jesus is being approached by Sadducees. They're kind of trying to trick him in a question. And what you can kind of gather is the question they're about to ask him is probably one of those age-old, like, got him questions, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's one that's always tricking people. And so here's what they ask. They come up to him. The same day, Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So to the second and third, down to the seventh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. Uh, after them all, the woman died. It's like tragic. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. Here's the important question. Why would the third guy marry this woman? You know what I'm saying? Like two, like, okay. Like when you're the third guy, it's like, dude, come on, you're gonna die, man. Like you're gonna die. And I would like to know the details on this woman. Like, how did they die? Does, does it say? I don't think it says. Okay, that, that's a question for another day. Just put that in the back. All right. But what's happening, what's the point? Okay, the point in light of what we're talking about tonight for marriage is that in heaven, we won't be married. He said, not that we become angels or some weird Cultist theology say that. That's not what it says. It says in the way that angels are not given in, mar in marriage, that's how we're gonna be. Isn't that crazy to think about? Like we're not gonna be married in heaven. And in, in the case of this woman, she had seven husbands. It was, hopefully it's not a true story. That'd be really sad. All right, in the case of this woman, seven husbands, and none of that is gonna carry over into attorney. Like it's, it's not even going to matter. But what does carry over into eternity? Your relationship with Jesus. They're sitting here trying to fool him, in this, and they're missing, the Sadducees are trying to fool Jesus, and they're missing the one that's before them, that their relationship with him is gonna carry over into eternity. So we get so stuck on this question of, of, of singleness and dating. We get so we, sometimes we miss the fact that our relationship with Jesus is eternal. He is the eternal prize. He's the reward of our whole life. And so my application is, hey, keep your eyes on the prize no, it can be kind of a cheesy statement sometimes, but, but Jesus is that one who is the eternal one. And so here, here's what our culture says. Um, if you don't some, find somebody now, you're gonna miss your chance, right? Not, not roasting them. Imagine there's some parents of some of us in the room who say, you really need to find somebody in college. You get into young adulthood, Better, better find somebody you don't want to have to settle, right? And what culture tells us, if we don't, if we don't live in the right now, if we don't find somebody now, before we know it, we're going to be 40 years old, we're going to be single, we're going to own a bunch of cats. I don't know why the cats. It's, it's always the cats. You, know, you notice that? And, and the Gilmore Girls, again, you, you, you know the rest of the story. 
If you don't find somebody soon, you're going to die an old, lonely soul in a graveyard, unmarked next to, next to all your cats. Right? Like, live now. Like, you've you got to find somebody now. If, if you don't, like, it, it may be too late. And here's the problem with that. Oh, my wife told me to say, your Pinterest wedding got canceled. Uh, I don't know, she told me to say that. Anyway, listen, <laughs> this fear, this, it, 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 it's a lie because you know what? It doesn't even, even consider either. It doesn't even consider God's timing and purpose for your life. Hey, I've got news for you. I don't care where you came from. From birth, God has been faithful to you to provide for you, to put breath in your lungs. And you start out helpless. I, I'm, I have a newborn. She's helpless. She can't do anything without me and my wife, Caitlin. And you're the same way. We're all that same way. That's where we started. And God, if you're in this room right now, God has been faithful in every season of your life to love you and leads you and bring you through various difficulties in life. And look where you're sitting right now. And so here's what we do. We forget that God has been so, so faithful to us. We get in the season of life that a lot of you are in and you're like, oh man, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like I'm alone or I don't know if this relationship is gonna work out. And we totally forget God has been faithful then. He's going to be faithful now. We sing a song like that. You're going, to, you're going to sing as loud as you can probably one week soon. A song that says those words, he's been faithful then. He'll be faithful now. And so the reality is, is the God of the Bible is in control of your life. Amen? If he wants you to be single, guess what? You're going to be single for a season or for however long. If he wants you to find somebody, you will find somebody. If he wants you to get married, if he wants you to break up, it will happen. Okay? And so what my encouragement is, is to trust that same faithfulness that was watching over you as a helpless, innocent child and that's still with you today. Rest in his mercy. Rest in his grace. Trust that he has a plan. And guess what? His plan's always better. I had plans to preach this back in March. I'm loving this. It's much better to preach this now. You know what I'm saying? His plan is better. And so why on earth would you want to be single? Being single allows you to have an intense focus on eternal things that guess what? They matter after you're dead and gone. Amen? Y'all with me? Alive? Say, I'm alive if you're with me. Okay, that's good. All right, just checking on you. Okay. We only have two points tonight. Some of you have heard me preach before. You're like, oh, thank God. All right. Because being single allows you to have an intense focus on eternal things, it informs exactly what you are devoted to, exactly how you spend your time. And that's why Paul says this in verse 32, and I am in Matthew still. We're gonna go to verse 32. All right. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the married or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Why would it ever be a good thing to be single? Why would it not be the most awful thing in the world? Guess what? First, you get to have an intense focus on eternal things. And then this, 
being single allows you to have an undivided devotion to the Lord. You see that? I didn't have to come up with that point. It's straight out of scripture, verse 35. And so in verse 32 to 34, the, the idea is that there's these anxieties of the married versus the unmarried. And I can tell you this is true. I love being married, but guess what? When I got married, especially now that I have a, a kid, and, and you know this, even just in dating relationship, you see how your time is divided. You can't leave her on red, fellas. You know that. You know what I mean? You forget, you wake up in the middle of the night, oh man, I forgot. You know what I'm saying? Ladies, same thing. Don't do the passive aggressive thing. All right, just text him back, all right? He, he doesn't... <laughs> You can always tell when something wasn't in my notes. Um, listen, I, I believe that God has ordained marriage in the family, but Paul's point is true. Sometimes I can be way more anxious and concerned about making sure Caitlin's okay, she's provided for, that, that, that Eleanor has a bottle. Like, you know, all these things, like they add up and they're good, beautiful things. I love my life. But Paul has a point. I am much, my interests are much more divided than whenever I was single. And so I want you to look at verse 34 and notice the anxiety of the, the, the married, it divides interest, but it doesn't mean that the interest is totally lost. You get what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that interest is totally lost because Caitlin and I last Friday went on Tech's campus and we're sharing the gospel with people. That's awesome. I love that. She helped me do that. We partnered together in ministry. That's a beautiful, wonderful thing. So it's not that it's lost. It's just the reality is, we are limited, finite creatures. I, I can't give 100% to her and, and, and 100% to God. Same thing in dating relationships. I can give it 60-40, 50-50. I don't know, you, you figure it out, you do the math, you can make it even more complex than that. My math isn't very good, so that's all I got for you, all right? But look at verse 35. Oh man, this is so good. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So Paul is not, you know, like some people interpret Christianity as like, oh, it's just all these rules, like do all this stuff, like that's boring, it's not for me. No, it's actually about freeing you up. If this is your season of life and singleness, or if you're considering that, it's about freeing you up to be undivided in all of your devotion to God. And y'all jump down to verse 40. I think this is crazy. Again, Paul's wisdom, he's taking, a, he's taking a swing at what he thinks wisdom is for singles. Verse 40, talking about a, a, a woman who uh, was married and now is not. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think I too have the spirit of God. Paul is saying, hey, as a single guy, I'm just gonna tell you, I actually think that you're gonna be happier not, not, not to be married. Now, total honesty time, if I, if I didn't give any explanation, I said, you're gonna be happier not married. How many of you, honest, would think that was weird? I'm raising my hand. Yeah, you're like, yeah, never heard that one before. Okay, how is that possible, right? I'm not gonna change scripture. Same thing, I'm not gonna change it. How is that possible? I can't do anything. Well, oh, the original language said this. No, 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 that's what Paul said. It's possible because... When you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus, no matter what season of life that you're in, guess what happens? Your happiness doesn't ride 
on if apparently you get the three-step process, Instagram, Snapchat to the number. All right, your happiness doesn't ride on that. When Jesus is your greatest pleasure and purpose, your devotion to him, your undivided devotion to him is actually going to complete you. Does that make sense? And so here's where I'm going with this. Why, why do I tell you, why, why do I tell you to find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus? Because he is your creator. He, he's the, the author of delight. He's the author of purpose. We wouldn't even know what that word meant unless he created it. He created you for a purpose. And so when you find it in him, that's, that's as good as it gets, right? That's as good as it gets. And so while single, there are less restraints that you might have in preventing you from this total devotion to God and loving him and worshiping and living for him. Hey, here's something I was thinking about. I had a buddy named Will that I met a few years ago. I was 24, he was 21. Um, I actually met him as we were training. Uh, we were both gonna go overseas uh, to serve for about two years. And one of the things Will did, at, at probably whenever he was still 18, 19, instead of like many of his buddies and, and trying to find a girl and like even at the training, like there was a lot of guys like, like I'm gonna find my wife here. And they spent so much time outside of training hours like trying to talk with girls and meet girls and all this stuff. What Will was doing, what he had been doing is spending a lot of time studying the word, growing in the Lord. And what he decided is that he felt God was calling him to Mexico, all right, to, to go do missions there. And so what he did is he got a degree in Spanish, all right, became fluent in Spanish. By the time that brother showed up, he was able to preach fluently in Spanish, like pretty impressive. And then I walked up to, to Will one day. He was sitting on a, on a bench kind of out in this uh, park area. And I could see from about 10 feet away the book he's reading. I, I can't read it because it was in Spanish like the cover was. And I walk up to him and I was like, dude, what are you reading? And he's like, oh, it's no big deal, man. It's just like a systematic theology book in Spanish. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> like, like, Will, and I started kind of asking him, like, well, why are you doing that? He said, man, I, I don't only want to just go over to Mexico and kind of do my own thing. When I get there, I want to help encourage the church. I want to help equip them. And if I learn some of this theological and complex biblical knowledge, I can help teach them and, and grow them and equip them. You see where I'm going with this? You don't have to do exactly that. But, man, I was, I was seeing this contrast with how the other guys were spending their time. And guess what? Most of them, those girls weren't interested. <laughs> I really, like I was just watching like, man, they're gonna work out. That's not the point. <laughs> there was a contrast between how he was spending his time and I saw Will tapped into this undivided devotion that he could have to the Lord. I think what Will knew, he knew the season of life that he was in. It's not that he's going to be single forever. He just, he knew the times that he was in. And he leveraged that to have this undivided focus on the mission of God being accomplished through him. Isn't that beautiful? And so for singles in the room, here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Not exactly. Don't go get a degree in Spanish unless you really want to. But in the way that Will was undivided and he knew the season he was in, be like Will. Leverage your singleness now to have this laser focus upon the mission of God being accomplished through you. And I, you know what? That's a pretty like serious spiritual point. Hey, maybe, maybe you're just very practical. Maybe you just need a break. Maybe you've just been through like some things and some bad relationships that you know now you shouldn't have been in. Just take a break. 
back up for a second. Quit getting into these relationships that just destroy and rip your heart up over and over and over and over again. Just back up. When I say Jesus is your greatest, this isn't in my notes, by the way. Let's just go with it. If Jesus is your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus, I'm not selling you a bill of goods. This is all I got. This, this is supreme. This is it. You're either going to find this out now or before the throne of God. How you spend your life. Some of you, you need to take a step back and just ask, does, has Jesus had anything to do with my relationships? Or has, have I found my greatest pleasure and purpose in, in boys and girls or whatever you have done? Is he really supreme? Is he Lord over my life in my dating sphere, in my single sphere? Y'all tracking with me? And so what we need to do for, for, for singles, leverage your singles. If you're, if you're in a relationship right now, make the necessary adjustments so that who you're dating isn't dividing your attention so much that you're totally ineffective for the Lord. That you're so wrapped up around this that it has nothing to do with God if you're honest. Make the necessary adjustments. Ask yourself, is this a person that's going to help me live for Jesus or is this someone right now that wants me to live for them? By the way, I don't know all of you very well, but I say this in love. That may be a good time to say this now. I say this in love because I've been where you are. Here's what culture teaches us. <laughs> have an undivided focus on what you don't have, right? <laughs> have an undivided focus on the fact that you don't have somebody or that you're not happy with who you're with, right? And that's how we are. That's our nature. We, we focus on what we, we don't have and then, and then we get it. I know this with, with buying a house. I finally bought a house this past January. A few months in, a bigger house was next door. I'm like, mm, I want that now. You know what I mean? Always focus on what I don't have. And then a car too. Like I've been fine with a 2006 Toyota Tundra. I've been, been fine with it. Some dude rolls up with like a brand new one. I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get that. Go home and tell Caitlin. She's like, nope. Um, love you, babe. What culture teaches us is focus on what you don't have. Hey, focus on the fact that you're single until you're not anymore. We, we focus on what we don't have and not what we have. And here's what you have in Christ. Y'all, y'all lean in this. Here's what you have in Christ. And some of you don't believe it and it, it breaks my heart. But listen, singles, what God has given you right now is a, is a gift, a very clarifying season of singleness. And I'm telling you, use it. It's not going to last long. Oh, I'm going to read my Bible more later in life. No, you're not. I'm going to go on more mission trips later in life. No, you're not. You're going to have less and less time for that. God has gifted you with this beauty of nearly an unlimited freedom to follow him wherever he leads with very, very few hindrances holding you back. And then comes the ultimate question. How am I supposed to know if I'm supposed to be single forever or just for a season? Like, is single and not mingling gonna be on my tombstone? Right? Is that fair? If you're gonna go out that way, that's a pretty cool way. I'm just gonna say that, all right? But probably not ideal for you, all right? It's, it's a funny thing to joke about. Here's my response. It, how, am I, how are you supposed to know if you're single forever or just a season? I think next week's gonna help you with that, but really, I don't care. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, it says, I, I don't know. <laughs> Whoops, sorry, I messed that up. 
If you watch The Office, we'll talk about where that reference was from. Um, I, I don't have the perfect, perfect, perfect. I don't have the perfect answer to this, but here's what I can give you, okay? I'm not gonna sell you a bill of goods that I don't even believe in. I have a better question, and here's the thing. For some of you, I think if you're honest, I'm not gonna ask you to raise hands. This question seems so ultimate, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Is this gonna be my life forever? Or, or just now, like how am I supposed to know? I think here's a better question. Why are you letting this question, this uncertainty, have so much control over your life? Like you're asking, how do I know if I'm gonna be single forever? Now check this out. Yeah, I remember the passage we read in Matthew? I'm not skirting the question, by the way. This is, this is like for real. When we read, are you gonna be married in heaven or not? No. What if you have seven spouses? No? Still doesn't count? You don't get like two of them maybe to carry over? No? Okay, check this out. We, after we die, no matter if we were married however many times, like this poor woman and the poor man who died, <laughs> doesn't matter. Check this out. When we die, if, if we're not married in heaven, all of us, in a sense, because heaven is eternal, are going to be single forever. You see that? There we go. Singles in the room are like, yeah, take that. Okay, so here's, <laughs> here's the thing. Look, worst case scenario for the Christian because you're in Christ and you're, you're saved from your sins because of what Christ did for you on the cross and you believed in that. He, he rose from the dead. He has victory over sin and death and all those beautiful things of the gospel. For a Christian, worst case scenario for the Christian, hopeless, romantic, is that you're going to live 60, 70, 80, 90 years, you know, at, at best, maybe you're going to live 100 or so. I hope that's not your case. That's a long life, okay? Uh, <laughs> but what's the worst case scenario? And guess what? You get to go be with Jesus, right? You can be, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's a reality. That's, I didn't come up with that tonight, all right? That truth has existed for thousands of years. Best case scenario, you leverage your entire life for the glory of God. And you go down on fire for the Lord. I don't care. Maybe you're like in some other country, like trying to, the story I read last week, trying to reach the unreached, and you fly over a cliff, and you're just like, yeah, let's go. And like, I'm going to see Jesus. You know, I don't know. That's, inti that's an intense example. I'm just saying, like, you get to go down with like the, a burning Holy Spirit flamed in fire just because you used your, your whole life for God's glory. That's the best case scenario. You live a life totally devoted and undivided toward one goal, God being glorified through you. <laughs> okay, so now there's the question of, I don't know if I'm gonna be single forever or not. Does it not seem a little trivial now? I'm not saying it's not a good question. I just think there's a better question. Worst case scenario, does it ultimately matter if one day, y'all check this out, because the Bible calls the church, God's people, the bride of Christ. One day when we die and when Jesus comes back, he, a word called consummates all things, brings all things, come to pass. The bride of Christ, the church, every single Christian in the whole world is gonna come together and be united to him, the bridegroom. Amen? Amen? Okay. I have a really good point that's going to finish, and I, I totally forgot it. I was like, on oh, no, a good roll. All right. 
in light of in light of eternity, this is not worth stressing over. Look at this. I know this is about singleness. That reality, the bride of Christ is going to come together with Jesus. Did, did you know that, that earthly marriage is actually just supposed to be a picture of the marriage of Christ and the church? Did you know that? Check out Ephesians 5. It's right there. So the best that you could ever experience, which is really good. I love my wife so much. I love my family. It's amazing. And because it's so amazing, and, the, and Scripture says it's but a shadow of the greatness of what it's going to be to be united with Christ, I am so excited for that moment, to be united with him. And so in light of that reality, even the best of what you think a, a, a relationship of marriage could offer you is but a shadow of what we have in Christ, friends. Why would it ever be a good thing to be single? Why would it not be the most awful thing ever, right? Because being single allows you to have an undivided devotion to the Lord. You can kind of land, land the plane here. You can kind of lean back in your seats and settle, settle down. I'm done trying to make you squirm, okay? <laughs> I think a good amount of you in this room and whatever season of life you're in relationship or not, never been in a relationship or not, whatever it is, tonight you need to reconcile what's in God's word with your life. Because I think right now, your life is over here and how you've thought about singleness and here's the Bible. It's on different planets. And guess what? We have an opportunity tonight to bring those things together. To confess before God and say, repent like, Lord, I have had not cared at all about what you say about dating or singleness or whatever. And tonight you have an opportunity to say, Lord, I, I care. You have an opportunity tonight to say, I, I don't like your word, to be honest, but I know that it's true and I want you to change my heart so that I trust it. Y'all see that? I want you to flip over to a beautiful passage. I think it, it epitomizes the mindset that we should have tonight. It's Psalm chapter 37, verse four. Psalm chapter 37, verse four. It's very, very simple. It says this, I'll give you a second to get in there. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean have this kind of casual relationship with God? Okay, give me, give me, give me, give me what I want. That's what the bumper sticker people mean, all right? That's not what this verse means. Delight yourself in the Lord. In him, and he will give you the desires of your heart. How can you hold on to that promise? Because when you desire Jesus the most, guess what he does? He gives you himself. That's the promise. And so a lot of you have spent your whole life wishing and hoping for, and maybe even prayed for God. Oh, Lord, bring me a godly guy or a godly girl. That's a good thing. But in steps the reality that Jesus is himself is your greatest pleasure and purpose. And so I want to invite you to do tonight, if you've never believed in Jesus and what he's done for you on the cross and making it possible, we talked about it in the Waymaker song. If you've never believed in him, I invite you to do that. If you've always found your purpose in literally everything else except him, tonight you can delight yourself in him and he will give you the desire of your heart. He will give you himself and all the blessings that he has to offer in himself. Friends, we, we ask Jesus for so many things you know what we almost never ask him for? For him. 
God, I just want you. I, I, I just want you. Until he becomes all we have and all we need and all we want, nothing is going to make sense or be very fulfilling. But, but it's when we are content to just have him, that's when things start to come together. When Jesus becomes your everything, you will be everything Jesus wants you to become. I'm gonna say that again. When Jesus becomes your everything, you will be everything Jesus wants you to become. Single, married, whatever. Because you've properly aligned your life. And he's at the top. He's, he's your delight. So can we commit now to stop asking Jesus for anything until he has become our everything? Can we commit to do that now? Don't ask him for another thing until he has become your everything. To where you're honest, Jesus, I'm going to pray for things, but if you don't give me that, as long as I have you, I'm not only content, I have fullness of joy. And how do you do that? You do that by committing to live with an intense focus on eternal things and fighting to have an undivided devotion to Jesus no matter what season of life you're in. I'm gonna ask you guys if you would uh, close your eyes, bow your heads, I'll lead you in a time of response. I want you to ask God right now to search your heart and ask God, is, is Jesus really my everything or is he just something else? Ask God, help me get to a place where Jesus becomes my everything. With, with your eyes closed and, and, and heads bowed, I want you to lean into this. So ask him, am I at a place where Jesus is my everything so that I can become everything he wants, he wants me to be? God, help me to see Jesus ultimately as, as all I have, need, and want. I'm gonna give you a few moments to, to pray about that and reflect on that. The band will lead us. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.